And it's time for another episode of the Bitter Bistro Podcast. I am Joey Rockenstein, a.k.a. Bitter Party of One, with a very exciting guest in studio today. It is TK Kelly, ladies and gentlemen. TK, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, man. It's been a, it's been a while. It has. We can finally coordinate uh, schedules and times and to get you in here. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Awesome. And of course, it is the day after Valentine's Day, otherwise known in the server world, world as Overcrowded Restaurant Day. Yeah. So, uh, I did work last night. Uh, we can talk about that later. But TK, let's start with you. What was your first job in the service industry? Go. Uh, my first job, I was a. I started as a busboy at the Otter Kill Country Club in upstate New York. I'm sorry, Otter Kill. Otter Kill. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was the name of a river that like ran through the the country club. They weren't like killing otters, right. you know. <laughs> I was gonna say it wasn't like Caddyshack, but with otters. Yeah, that's a pretty bold <laughs> statement to make uh, for yeah. your country club. Uh, so I was a, I started as a busboy there and kind of quickly became a waiter. I was like 15 years old, um, and that was uh, mostly a disaster because I you know I I don't think any kid should have a job at 15. I was so irresponsible, just didn't give a shit. You know, it was. It was it was pretty bad. I could just imagine a fifteen year old like waiting tables and just like eh, I'll just forget this. It's cool. Yeah, and at, <laughs> at a country club too. It was just like, I mean, part of me it was like I wanted to impress all of the uh, the super rich guys there who golfed every day. Absolutely. But for the, like uh, that was that lasted about a week, and then after that it was like oh fuck these guys. <laughs> They're awful awful people for the most part. So I didn't give a shit. So did they fire you or did you like you just I eventually left. Uh, I don't know how they didn't fire me. I um I remember one time I got they had asked me to go out and work the concession stand because the hot young girl who normally worked there was unavailable that day. So they sent uh, my fine ass out there. And I didn't make as much money as she did, needless to say. <laughs> But, uh, I, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. They were just like, you know, work the cash register, hand out these snacks, whatever. And at the end of the night, just unplug everything. And I did. I unplugged every single thing in there. And I melted about 70 pounds of ice cream <laughs> because I didn't pay attention to what I was unplugging. And I just unplugged a massive freezer. <laughs> and uh, So there wasn't like some sort of checklist that you had to go down? Like, All right, no, you know, this, I'm sure there that. was, okay. but they didn't. They were just like, I don't know, just do this. Like they were in a panic because they needed somebody to cover the shift. Right. And I did it, and uh, they didn't ask me ever again. <laughs> I was there for probably two months more, and I actually wound up getting a job at like a like a chain restaurant in a mall, which was obviously a little bit uh, more relaxed than a country club. So I was in the and, same and, area. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. It was this was all um, like Hudson Valley in New York, so about an hour and a half north of the city is where I grew up. Okay. I could just imagine like a like the supervisor, or the owner coming in the next day, and there's like just a pool. Of ice cream. <laughs> it was like, like, and what could I say to, you know, like it was stupid. Like it was dumb. And I'm, I'm like, and my excuse was like, Hey, they told me to unplug everything, but really I'm like, God, you're an idiot. Like dude, look at what you're unplugging. But you know, I was 15. I just, I, they were like, do this. And I did it. I took directions. You just be like, um, so you're not supposed to unplug that or <laughs> guess not. <laughs> Sweet. Okay, so now you're in you're in a mall and you're you're still serving. Yeah, yeah, I was there for a long time. I probably worked there. Um, was this like a sort of casual? It was like it was like a bootleg Ruby Tuesdays. Okay, like it wasn't a really popular chain. It was called the American Cafe. Uh, they probably had like twenty restaurants throughout the country, so a small chain. Um, and it wasn't very popular in the mall. 
because we had a Ruby Tuesdays and like a Fridays and shit so that people had heard of. So I was at like the second rate one where it was like I made okay money, right. but it was nice that like I didn't really have to work very hard. So I stayed there for about seven years. <laughs> I uh, nice. I worked there all through high school, and then when I went away to college, I would uh, whenever I came back for the summers, I would have my job there. So I, I stayed there for a long time. Oh, so they withstood the competition they were able to they did they hung around for a good they actually closed about a month before i graduated college which kind of sucked because i was figuring i had that job waiting for me in the meantime right. while i looked for a different job and i didn't so uh but it, yeah they stuck around for a while it was good food so like the people who went there actually would come back but most people were like what what the fuck is the american cafe i don't know right. it was a, a terrible name it's the most generic name it didn't really – cafe, it was this massive place. It was not a cafe. It didn't make much sense. It was strange. I'm thinking like burgers and – Yeah, know, yeah. Like it that. was it was mostly burgers, ribs. Uh, I mean a little bit of everything, you know, kind of like Ruby Tuesdays where it's like they do – you know, they have uh, Italian pasta meals and then they also have like a giant burger. It, it was – there was no set uh, – genre of food that they serve you know like it was just like whatever we're it's american we can serve whatever we want okay very typical american attitude right there (laughs) and where did you go to school Uh, i went to undergrad at marist which was in uh poughkeepsie new york so a little further upstate than where i grew up and what did you study up there i did uh radio tv film and it was uh an absolutely worthless degree (laughs) it was a communications degree with a focus in in tv and film and it was a new um, it was a new program for them. So it was great because I was super interested in that right. and, and got into it. But uh, they had no no pull whatsoever as far as, you know, getting you an internship or a job afterwards. So it was I learned a good amount, but it was uh, mostly I just enjoyed undergrad for the drinking seven days a week and oh. didn't didn't get much out of Which it. Which I'm sure is 90 percent of the people who yeah. go to. Oh, absolutely. Get their undergraduate it's it's an unbelievable, especially yeah. for anybody who wants to do what we're trying to do. It's. Uh, it's a waste, you know. A college degree is a joke, but it's fun. I loved college, and I would, I, I absolutely would have, would do it again. I think, you know, uh, I don't know if uh, my mountain of debt would agree, but. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, so how long were you in New York uh, before you made it out here to California? Uh, well, I, I grew up my whole life in New York. I, uh, I moved out here, I guess. Uh, let me see, four years ago. So I was. 26-ish, I don't really remember exactly, but around that, um, and had mostly uh, had mostly just worked service industry jobs, and I always was kind of looking to do something else, but I never had a, a real idea of what that was. I was just like all over the map. So eventually when I decided that I wanted to do something in comedy and actually pursue the TV film thing, um, I just kind of started applying to schools out here. And that way I figured, you know what, if I get into a school, I don't have any excuse right. to not go. If I get into a grad program, it forces me to leave New York, go to L.A. You know, I mean, it wasn't like I was in New York City either. So there wasn't a bunch of opportunity for comedy. I hadn't started stand up yet. Um, so I was I got into uh, USC's grad program and it was just like, all right, well, I, I guess I'm moving across the country. And that was the the thing that kind of not too bad of a program to get into. Yeah, and yeah. it was I was surprised. I didn't necessarily think I was going to get into any of the programs out here because I had, um, you know, it had been a couple years since I graduated undergrad, and I had worked on like my own screenplay, and uh, you know that was what I was sending as a sample. <clears throat> but basically, I was figuring, all right, I'm not going to get anywhere, but at least I was 
trying to do something and i figured i was going to wind up just moving down to new york city and starting stand up there and right. probably continuing to bartend now did you finish school at sc mm-hmm. when in the the screenwriting program yeah it oh, was excellent. the screenwriting masters uh i graduated in 2012 it's fantastic i didn't yeah. did not know that it's some good information and then at the same time, were you going back into bartending or serving while you're going I, to school? I actually wasn't while I was here. Um, what I did basically was while I was after I graduated undergraduate, I worked an office job in New York, uh, in New York City for about two years. I was a, a headhunter. Basically, I was trying to uh, get financial professionals to leave their jobs and go work, you know, wherever right. I told them. Right. And this was right when the economy was horrendously bad. So no one, no, they were like, are you insane? I'm not, <laughs> I'm, and I'm like, you know what? I don't even care if you do it. I'm just, I have to call you. <laughs> like, so, uh, eventually that, that really wore on me. And, uh, I just stopped trying Take at me all. Take a typical like conversation with you trying to tell someone that they should, that you have a better job for them to go to, even it, though it like- mostly consisted of me trying to pretend like I knew what the hell I was talking about. First of all, I knew nothing about finance. It was it's a sales job essentially. You're right. trying to sell someone on leaving, and and I got that job through a friend who had a similar position at a different company. He recommended me. I interviewed well because I could fake. Uh, interest in something, but I, it was, it was awful. It was basically, you know, so-and-so would pick up the phone and I'd say, and they're at work by the way, most of the time, which is super convenient for them. They they love when you call them at their job to tell them to quit their job. Um, and it was just me basically saying, you know, you, you're still at, uh, you know, bank of America or whatever in this position. We have this other great position at this bank you've never heard of, but they're big up in commerce. It was, it was a shit job. It was, you're, you're trading in people and, and mostly I would say it's not a good idea for them. You know, it's, it's just that you make a commission off of them moving, which I never made. Because, I was going to say, did, did anybody jump ship? Uh, I did have a couple of people move. It was mostly younger guys who I had luck with. And those were not necessarily bad moves for those guys. It was, you know, they had been wherever they were for a couple of years. It was probably good for them to move on. So I didn't feel terrible about trying to get them to do it. Right. But it also, the amount of uh, the amount of commissions that I would have made compared to the amount of time I was there, I, I didn't get anything because it all depended. You had to, you had to move enough people in order to start making the commission. So I did that for two years. And, and like I said, eventually just completely stopped trying and, uh, noticeably <laughs> like would not pick up the phone. I just, I was waiting for them to fire me essentially, right. which they did. Uh, and it was great because then I got unemployment for a little bit and I went back and started bartending and I did that for about a year and a half while I wrote a screenplay and tried to try to get back into, uh, into school. And what kind of place were you bartending at? Uh, I was bartending first. I was at a place called the Hudson Water Club, which was, um, you know, like Rockland County, uh, about an hour north of the city. And it was right on the Hudson River. Really, nice. really big outdoor bar. It was a lot of fun. It was it was a cool place to work. Like it was uh, it was busy every weekend, uh, obviously in the summer. It was right. a pretty seasonal job uh, in the winter. I wound up having to move and went to um, went to this place called the Glenmere Hotel, which was this brand new place uh, in upstate New York that was, it was a converted mansion. I, I can't remember who used to own it, but it was some big something magnate, I don't know, railroad, some shit, you know, like early, early 1900s, some insanely rich family owned this place. And they wound up converting it into this boutique hotel with like 18 rooms. And they had a lot of celebrities and athletes coming up from New York City 
and okay. to to go there. Uh, and I was like their main bartender when they opened. So that was that was an interesting experience. Like that was in the middle of the town where I grew up, which is like you would not think it belonged there, but it was very secluded and people were like flying helicopters up and landing them there and staying for the weekend. It was it was a weird place. That would be kind of interesting having people arrive by a helicopter. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I never um I never seemed to catch the super famous people that were there really? though. Which was odd because it was like I was bartending there five or six days a week, and it would always be the one day I wasn't there. And they're like, oh, Bill Murray was here. And I'm like, what? God damn it. <laughs> Frustrating. Now, did you, you say you preferred to bartend or serve? Uh, I definitely preferred to bartend, but okay. I was a waiter most of, my, most of the time. Because uh, the first seven or eight years that I was in the service industry, I was just a waiter. Had no bartender training. And then um, when I left and went and did the office job i i had to get out of that shit so once i stopped that it was like all right i need to go back to something i know where i know i can get a job but i didn't want to wait tables again because i was i don't have the best attitude for that i'm not good at uh, faking like you're not really pissing me off so i never made a ton of money (laughs) as a waiter um but I knew as a bartender, you have a little more leeway. You get to be yourself a little bit more. You get to mess with the customers, talk to them genuinely. And so I wanted to do that. So while I was uh, collecting unemployment and writing a screenplay, I also went and took a bartending class. And then uh, since the place where I had primarily worked, the American Cafe, had since closed, uh, once I finished the bartending class and knew that I could bartend, I changed my resume and said I was a bartender at the American Cafe for like five years because who were they going to call? No, they contact anybody. <laughs> all right, that's such an interesting point you bring up. First of all, I want to know more about, because so many people are trying to get gigs out here in L.A. as bartenders, and I know some people who have gone to bartending schools. Mm-hmm. So de- describe what that's kind of like when you go to a place to learn how to bartend. It's it's interesting. You, I mean, I, I was there with some, some interesting characters. I, I mean, to be honest, I took it like super seriously because i needed a job right and uh you know my like you're un- there with a the notebook and like they yeah absolutely i mean they, i had a they had a little book where you studied each night and i i kind of busted my ass studying and I, I was always a good student in school so it wasn't too hard but you know learning a hundred drink recipes in a two-week course it's a, it's a lot yeah but it was something where I was going through flashcards and everything because I'm like, I don't want to I don't want to take this again, you know, and it was it didn't cost you more. But if you did, if you failed the test, you you had to stay and take another week of courses and you could keep doing that for God only knows how long. And some of the guys I took the course with, they were kind of like dicking around and didn't take it too seriously. And I, I mean, I had a lot of fun. It was actually a, a fun environment, but I wanted to make sure I finish that shit the first time was so. there a lot of practical like testing too like where they would actually physically have you make drinks oh yeah yeah the, then- the bulk of the test like there was a written portion but the part of the test that really mattered was the the drink making and it was funny though because they have you know they have substitutes for everything they're not having you you know pour actual whiskey or anything right. like that so they have a bunch of different yeah they have a bunch of different containers that have like it's just like different colored dyes it's a very odd <laughs> thing and this was like upstairs in some apartment building that was like converted into this weird classroom with a fake bar and you're pouring all these fake drinks with fake ice cubes it's, it's odd but it was you know what i mean it, it taught me enough that when i went in and interviewed they easily believed that i had been a bartender and no one ever. Did they help it. you with job placement or anything like that? Or 
they tried. Um, I wound up finding the job at the the Hudson Water Club on my own. Right. It was a place that was uh, kind of close to where I was living at the time. With I was living with a couple of friends down in Rockland, so I just went and checked it out. Um, I, I think the guy my sister was dating at the time knew the manager there, so he kind of put in a word for me, and then I, I went in and I got it really quick. I was super nervous because I had never actually bartended, so when I first started, I'm like, oh, man, they're going to find me out. I'm going to fuck something up so bad. <laughs> But it went okay. I wasn't. I definitely wasn't great at first, but I picked it up pretty quickly. So yeah. But didn't you notice that like once you got behind the bar, like those hundreds of drinks that you had learned, like you really only need to know like five of oh, them. Oh, absolutely. And and I knew, I knew uh, dozens of drinks that nobody else knew and right. didn't care to know. Like, like who the hell's gonna order Ramos Fizz? It, yeah, it was I mean, it on. was a lot. Yeah, a lot of old, old school drinks. And the thing was, you know, if you if you order something obscure from a bartender. They have a book sitting there, right. or most of you know most of the the POS systems have have you can just look it up now. So it's like that's fine because uh, to be honest, I ran into that all the time. People would ask for a drink where it's like it's obscure, but it's it's something newer. You know, it was yeah. mostly shots. Oh, let me have this, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. You know, the shots. It's like there's a, a million different mixtures that you can use. So and plus, it depends where you work at too, because some bars will have a younger clientele. So you yeah, and that's what it was. It was yeah. mostly the younger people. Like when the older people would come up and ask me for like a mai tai, the other bartenders would be like, oh, "How the hell did you know how to make that offhand?" Right. I'm like, because I was just learning like like early 19th century drinks for no reason like two weeks ago. <laughs> you presented in a chalice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I noticed too. And actually, um, my first bartending job, I just ended up lying because I couldn't get a bartending gig. It's impossible. Yeah. I didn't know anybody. I didn't want to go to a school. I didn't even think about going to a school at the time. And uh, a girl who I was going to school with at Santa Barbara, she's like, you should just lie. Yeah. And I actually did do that. And I got hired at the Four Seasons in Santa Barbara. And they actually ended oh, up wow. training me as a Four Seasons bartender. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the anyway, thing is most so. places will train you. I, I think a lot of places expect you to start, like if you admit you have no experience, they'll be like, oh, well, you can be a bar back. Right. And that's like, oh, you can carry shit for six months before we're ever going to let you make a drink. So, and I had no interest in doing that. No, and that, that's that, why I took the, the class was just because I had no practical knowledge. I, you know, I knew beer. I knew nothing about wine. Still kind of don't. I don't know how I survived as long as I did bartending with, with so little knowledge of wine. Um, but I, I didn't know any of the mixed drinks except for the ones that it was in the name, like a Jack and Coke. Right. I was pretty confident I knew the ingredients in that, but <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> I've also noticed, too, that if someone gives you something that throws you off, I've always been able to be like, you know, it's been a while since I've made that. Yeah. What, yeah. And, tell me and at, at first that would rattle me because I was I don't know what I thought, like someone was watching me <laughs> like this guy's <laughs> full of shit. No, I mean, it would rattle me a little bit. But eventually I was like, yeah, I don't know what's in that, it's especially uh, because um, the Hudson Water Club was right, right on the river. They had boats pulling up and it was the summertime. So people wanted all these obscure, ridiculous island drinks that have nine different kinds of rum in them. And I'm like. All right, you're going to either have to tell me or I'm going right. to wing it because there's and, and that's like, you know, a Bahama Mama or a Mai Tai or shit like that. There, there's 40 different ways to make each one of yeah. them, too. There's like, no yeah, like, there's two rums. That's all you get. Yeah, right? exactly. Like I'm going to take I'm going to take every rum we have and pour a little <laughs> tiny bit of it in there. Yeah. I'm going to top it with some pineapple juice. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. But that is so hard. Like. That's so great that you were able to, like, find your way to get the job that way, because even out here, like we were just talking about interviewing and getting the jobs has become such a become such a hard process yeah and like you were telling me about like some of the hotels that you were at 
Like they ask you for a headshot? Yeah, when I was when I was out here, it was this was probably like about a year ago actually. Um, I had graduated from USC. I was I was like temping at, at some offices, um, you know, doing vaguely uh, TV related stuff, but mostly just being somebody's assistant for the day. Um, but that was I just wasn't making enough money, so I kind of decided, all right, I'm going to go find a bartending gig. Um, and that is harder than I think making it in LA. <laughs> like it's like. It was unbelievable. They initially every every single place wanted your resume with a headshot. Like we're not even going to speak to you if you're some schlubby piece of shit. <laughs> and <laughs> like, this was just like bother. submitting yourself online for the yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. This was sending like sending a digital headshot or like any place that I physically went to drop off a resume. I had it. I had a headshot stapled to it because they wanted it. Um, and any place that did call me would then I'd go through this rigorous interview process. Like, uh, it was unbelievable. It was like, I was, you know, they were asking me to be a, a Rhodes scholar. Like, what, right. what do you think? Do you, why do you deserve to be here? Yeah. I'm like, you have got to be shitting me. It was I, a couple different places. I went in three times and had pretty extensive inter- interviews and even sort of started training and then just never heard from them again. It seems like almost they're going to start like an essay process. Hey, no, yeah. that's I mean, they sort of did, to be honest, like the some of the applications that you filled out did have like essay questions where it was like, tell us why you want to work here. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to work here. <laughs> what, what the, no Let's one wants here. to work yeah. here. Like <laughs> everyone here is here to do something else. I, unless I mean, if you're in the hospitality business, you, you might work at a hotel and legitimately enjoy it. But if you're working at a hotel bar or restaurant, it's because you're in the service industry and you're probably pursuing something else. Exactly. You know, there's yeah. not a lot of people who are like, and, and the thing is like, they're great jobs, especially hotel ones that you can make a lot of money. And I, I remember thinking the last job I had in New York at that luxury hotel, I could have just bartended there and that could have been my living. I made plenty of money. They, it was a great hourly rate because it was such a fancy upscale place. And then tips, it was like, God, I could just, I could just do this, Nice, but I didn't yeah. want to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and plus the hotel gigs, at least here in LA, like you also can get health benefits. Yeah, too, yeah, and that was a big thing there. that I needed. That I was not. I, I mean, I hadn't. God, I hadn't had health insurance for three years in New York before I moved here, and then I went to school, so I had USC's health benefits. And then when I was finished with school, I didn't have. I mean, I just, I just got them again. I'm like. I am just gambling. Yeah. <laughs> like I, so I, I, and also, I mean, I, I moved out here with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my fiance and congrats. Um, thank you. And she was, uh, just bearing so much of the financial brunt after I graduated from USC because I was just temping here and there and it was, they paid well, but it was so sporadic. I, you know, yeah. I didn't have any consistency in income and I was like, I need to go find a bartending job before she leaves me. <laughs> Which I don't think there was ever a real danger, but in my head, I, I just hated the thought of like not contributing. You right. know, it, was, it was weird. And contrary to popular belief, stand-up comics do not make oh my God. that much money here in Los Angeles. Uh, that much so, money here in Los Angeles? Okay, let's I, say, say any money. Um, it, yeah, <laughs> unless you count like whatever they offer you in drink tickets yeah. if you're lucky. like I mean, you know, doing stand-up in L.A., you're not making anything unless you are a, a headliner. And yeah. if you're a person that can go out on the road and fill clubs, then you can make a little. You're still not making not much, much in LA. No. You're making a little to pop from the Laugh Factory to the Comedy Store to the Improv, but they're all showcase I mean, shows. When it, that's not, not even like a handful of a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, maybe. exactly. They're just doing that. That's stand up in LA is all about exposure. It's not financially mm-hmm. beneficial at all. It's you have to go out on the road and do actual gigs that are horrible to make money. Right. <laughs> 
yeah, it, that's so weird that the horrible gigs will pay you like maybe 120 and it was completely horrible. And then you come here and you actually do real clubs and you're getting, we get nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went recently, I went out to um, Lake Havasu in Arizona to do a one nighter. And it was comedy like, capital of the world. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, needless <laughs> to say, I have arrived. <laughs> but like, and it's their off season too. You know, it's a big, that's a big uh, spring break right. spot. Yes. But this was in November. This was actually the weekend after Thanksgiving. So these are like the locals that are, that yes. are there. So okay. I went to, it was a bar show. It was a one night thing. They put me up in a hotel and it paid like a, I don't know, 150 bucks or something like that. And I basically was like, all right, well, I'll go and I'll see like the Grand Canyon and stuff while I'm in Arizona because me and my fiance had never been. But it's like that's, you know, it was a shit bar gig that paid a little bit. And between that and, and here, it's like you're making negative money. You know, Pretty it's, much. Yeah. Until you can go out and do clubs on the road, you don't make any money at stand-up. Right. And even doing clubs on the road, like if you're headlining, you're making like maybe twelve or $1,500 for the week. And then whatever merchandise you sell, with that's like a whole nother story. Oh, yeah. I mean, to me, I, I don't know how you starting out and just doing like road gigs and not having a job to supplement that is is uh, that's not an easy life. No, I, it's pretty horrific. Um, you have no place to stay. Your your cholesterol level is probably above 300. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's just horrible. But all right, we can go on about that forever. But what I want to know about is. There's got to be some customers that have just rubbed you the wrong way. Uh, for those of you who haven't caught on yet, TK is not currently working in the service industry, which is why I have him on the show, because it's inspiring to see how people get the hell out of this business. <laughs> it's right? like Shawshank. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> you have to crawl through miles yep, of shit yep. <laughs> to get out of it. Yeah, except uh, my miles of shit <laughs> was forcing myself to go back to school and pile up even more student loan debt, which is... Worse than shit. <laughs> I think I'd rather just crawl through the shit river. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as customers that rub me the wrong way, I mean, that's, there were plenty of those. I'm not, like, I, I don't think I have like a bad temper per se, but I, I'm not good at, um, I, I can't stand when somebody talks down to me and I couldn't ignore it. You know, I, a lot of people I worked with were much better at pretending to, you know, to let it roll off their back right. and then they'd go flip out in the back in the kitchen, you know? <laughs> I would just be a dick to people. So like, that's why I said I never made a ton of money as a waiter. Um, as a bartender, it was, it was definitely more fun because the dick customers were pretty hammered for the most part. Right. And you could just screw with them. Um, I will say uh, what comes to mind to me is, is girls, drunk girls are, are so much meaner than drunk guys. It was like elaborate. Interesting. It just, so cutting, so bitter that you're, if you say something to them, like, you know, as someone who's bartended, once in a blue moon, you do actually have to cut somebody off. You, you know, you're supposed to technically not let anyone get drunk at a bar. Right. It's on you if they go and do something. If they get in their car, they can get arrested. Yeah. I mean, you can get arrested. And, um, I, you know, I never worried too much about that. I don't think any bartender does. They're like, well, people are here to get drunk. I'm going to get them drunk. But when people get to a certain point, where it's like, all right, physically, uh, I think I might be killing you, so I'm going to stop serving you. And I found that, like, guys would, they'd get mad, but they'd always kind of, like, a drunk guy is, is uh, like a kitten to me. Like, they'll, they'll be focused intently on something and then completely forget about it, you know? Right. And, and so they get mad, oh, fuck you, dude, I'm not drunk. And then, like, somebody else would say something and they'd turn away and forget you cut them <laughs> yeah. off. They'd come back two minutes later and ask for another drink, but they were just easy to deal with. 
uh, girls I found would be so mean. <laughs> like if you told a girl she was drunk, it was like she would personally attack everything about you. <laughs> like, I, I remember I had this one girl. She was she was at the bar every week. It was an outdoor bar, so she would just be chain smoking and drinking uh, cranberry vodka just all day and night. And she was always pretty drunk. But one night she got to the point where she was sort of falling asleep at the bar. And I told her she couldn't she couldn't have any more. Yeah. And she's like, fuck you, fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. I'm here every week. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know you're here every week. Believe me, I have to <laughs> I have knows. to live with yeah. you. Like, I have to deal with you constantly. Um, and eventually I kind of relented and I gave her another drink, but it, it had very little vodka in it. She slams the drink completely, just pounds it down, asks for another one. And I was like, all right, look, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't do it. And she proceeded to call me uh, baby dick, which was one of the greatest things I've ever been called. (laughs) (laughs) It hurt a little bit. I was like, all right, first of all, how do you know? Because (laughs) for all you know, I have a giant dick. (laughs) Uh, And and she was like, she said, um, so she calls me baby dick. She was like, oh, fuck you, baby dick, or something like that, which was kind of funny. I laughed a little bit, but it hurt. And then she... uh, proceeded to tell like she's like will you tell me why why can't i everybody here's drinking you tell me why i can't have another drink and she had not noticed but she was leaning forward on the bar and uh one of her tits had fallen out of her shirt there we go. <laughs> and was uh pretty much sitting in a puddle of of like jaeger or some shit that was on the bar well, i'm sure that breast was thirsty too so uh, and it was was not it was not nice um <laughs> so, so these are not nice tits. no no this was i was not happy to have it out okay. <laughs> it was like and I, I didn't know what to say to her because i knew she was already furious i'm not going to be like uh ma'am your titty is out are you, you know flagging anybody else down I, to, like, I, oh yeah absolutely like i, I right. told bartenders like other bartenders i was working with this was a really big bar so there was like four of us back there at a time okay. so i had like pointed her out as the night was going on i'm like just watch her and now it's like oh she's falling asleep watch her and we were kind of laughing about it um and yeah eventually one of the other guys i worked with comes over and and you could see like the moment that he saw it was like sitting on the bar <laughs> and and he just looked at me and and just lost it cracking up <laughs> and and she by this point was like she's leaning on her hand and asleep and and we had to call the bouncer over and be like you got to you got to get that back in her shirt and yeah. get her out of here <laughs> <laughs> got to put that in the holster <laughs> So she was fun. <laughs> what, but where is your manager at any of this while this is happening? This, it was a really big place. So the manager was kind of all over the okay. place. He was, uh, it was a, a big deck was where the bar I was working at. There was also a huge bar inside. So it, it was, it was a pretty massive place next to like a big, uh, it was actually in a, uh, a really big, uh, fancy Marina. So this place was enormous. Uh, so he was all over the place, but, uh, he enjoyed the story when we told him, <laughs> That is fantastic. It's interesting. There's always one of those like girls who are like that at those kind of club bars. The first place that I was at, the Four Seasons, it was actually at a beach at Cabana Club across the street from the hotel. And there was a woman who was like that. She was married. Her husband was working during the day. And she would just be at the club while the kids were at school drinking at my bar. Oh, yeah. We had lots of those, yeah. too. And the, it just got the daytime mom yeah. drinkers. And it just got to the point where me and the general manager just nicknamed her Stoli <laughs> because that's what she drank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so, how you knew everybody. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> our regulars there, like I would, I knew a couple of their names and that was because those were the people that would come and insist on talking to you every yeah. day and tell you their names. But mostly people, yeah, you knew them by their drink. 
and and by the uh, dangerous amounts of it that they consumed. Yeah. <laughs> it got she drank so much that it got to the point where she didn't want to put me want me to charge her on her club tab because she didn't want her husband to see That's how much she'd been drinking. So she would just try to pay cash. Yeah, she would take stuff to like into go cups. <laughs> she got to go pick up the kids. Can you put this in a good oh, to go cup? Great. Like, yeah, I don't sure. Yeah, that's I, what I was always wondering when we'd get those middle of the day mom drinkers. Like, where? How are you going to get your kids later? Yeah. Like, you are just because the sun's up doesn't mean you're not <laughs> hammered. You know, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. I think a lot of them have drivers, or the nanny. I hope a kids. lot of them have yeah. drivers. <laughs> <laughs> These kids are in serious danger. It's a good example. Good example for them to set. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you work most holidays too, like most people yeah. in the service industry. Yeah, um, definitely got stuck working, and that was something that I, I really struggled with was working on the weekends when, like, I was you know at the time I was working at the water club. I was living with two of my friends from high school, and uh, you know they both had weekday jobs, okay. so it was tough going to work on the weekends when they were just hanging out. Um, did they but, ever get to come into yeah, the Yeah, for the most part, I just had them come to the bar and we okay. hung out, so yeah. it was all right. Yeah. And it was it was pretty close to where we lived, so it was pretty easy to do. But um, yeah, you know, a lot of holidays, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff I missed when, you know, everybody would be, uh, my whole family would be at my house, and I'd be working until midnight and show up and, you know, m- having missed pretty much the whole party. It was, uh, that was no fun. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, did your family have a hard time with you be- not being able to get home for some holidays or stuff like that, or did they kind of like no? They understood. Work around it? I mean, for the most part, it was like I mean now you know I live three thousand miles away now, so right we we do <laughs> we work around it for the most part. Yeah, we would do like like even this past year, um, I went home uh, a week earlier in December than I normally would, and we just kind of did an early Christmas thing because oh, nice. it saved us a ton of money. Yeah, me, me and my fiance as far as getting there and getting back here. Is her family uh, back there too, or yeah, she... yeah? She's actually yeah. Um, she's from the same town as me. Uh, Sweet, we went to the nice. same high school, but we didn't really know each other. Uh, we met after college, but it's super convenient for when we go home. Yeah, it's it's nice that we just go back to the same place, yeah. so we're not trying to shuffle Split between two families. That's really cool. All right, we're gonna sidestep a little bit because there's definitely one place that TK and I have had in common uh, coming up through the comedy ranks, uh, and it's interesting because. This is a show about the service industry, and we did a lot of comedy shows at this little place called the Westwood Bruco in Westwood, California. I miss her. And uh, (laughs) I would would call it like a workout show room, if you would. Yeah, I I mean, to someone someone who doesn't do comedy, they would think it was like, it looked like an open mic, but it wasn't. A lot of people asked if that was an open mic. It looked like, I mean, because... You know, it's just it's walking a, by. Yeah it's, yeah, it's at this big college bar and there's all these outdoor patios and stuff. And we're in this random like just what looks like a storage room kind of <laughs> like shoved yeah. in the back, <laughs> just doing sad comedy. <laughs> it, was, it didn't it didn't look like uh, a legitimate show, but it was sometimes. I mean, sometimes the, we'd get the kids to come in and hang it out. Off and the it, chain. it was great yeah. sometimes. Other times it was like, that was hey, most of the time. go hold this microphone and <laughs> pretend you're doing your act. So people think there's a show and they come in. <laughs> right. That's how, OK. So that's how we started the show. Like yeah. The, There'd be nobody sitting in the showroom. I, I, why do I call it a showroom? All right, there's no one <laughs> sitting in the attic. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we would have one of the comics be like, "Hey, just go up there and start talking." So it looks like there's a show going on. And then uh, one of the guys who was running the show used to go and try to round up an audience. Yeah. So we could start the show for real. Yeah. <laughs> but I was I was thinking about this, and I would say that 
our experience in the service industry kind of helped us out for that show because it was almost like waiting tables a little bit. Yeah, you, you definitely or had be to behind the bar. Yeah, yeah, you had to be on your on your feet for sure. Yeah. It was uh, you could try to do your material. I I don't know of too many sets I did there where I just got straight through and only did my material. Right. You Not had you man, had yeah. to interact with people. You had to acknowledge people that were coming in and out of the room. It was mostly drunk college kids. Uh, I feel like they broke a remarkable amount of glasses <laughs> for <laughs> for the small amount of audience members we ever had. Someone always smashed a glass immediately. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it definitely was. I, I, I would agree with that, like having bartended and having dealt with people in those situations where it was like y- you had to know when to like, come out of your material and just start talking to this hammered kid because this is the only thing that's going to save this. Right. Because <laughs> otherwise, everyone else who was the, in the room is thinking, how is he not talking to this hammered kid? Exactly. It's, a, it's distracting everyone, you know? And to paint like a better picture, people would come in and out of this room oh, yes, at will. Like she, there what wasn't, you, that's what you really want. Right. <laughs> and the door, it's not like it was a quiet door either. It oh, was like God, probably like slam. the loudest, squeakiest, <laughs> slammest door, if that's, I can use that word, slammest. Uh, but it was just, it was horrible. It was a special part. room. Yeah. I, I love like to, to paint a picture of it. It was, uh, like green primered walls. Mm. They never actually painted it. Yeah, I think it was just like one they had like half a, a coat maybe. Yeah, I don't know. They had like a brown <laughs> curtain behind us. And the, my favorite thing... Because it was hiding the plasma TV. Like yeah, they had yeah. a plasma TV. <laughs> and my favorite thing was uh, the the window right behind us that had the fan in it. And and no, it was just like a box fan in a window. No screen. Just so... Uh, I, always, I was waiting for the day that a comic was just like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm done with this. I'm going to pull out this box fan and I'm jumping out this fucking window. <laughs> it was a good enough drop. It could have killed you. I mean, that would have been a lot easier than dealing with some of the, the cr- Absolutely. <laughs> crowds that we had in that room. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. I think it was, it was a fun place to go. Um, like sometimes I, I always wanted to try out new material there, but uh, sometimes it would murder your confidence in your new material right. because people didn't, didn't pay too much attention so it it could really hurt. Like so I remember there were some jokes I did there that I I didn't do again for like a year because I was like, oh, that joke was terrible <laughs> because I equate it with a set that went horribly. Right. And then I'd try them again later somewhere else and they were fine. You know, of course. But, but it was a good place when when it was full. It was a good place to try out a new joke. Um, you know, just don't make the mistake of doing it in front of three people who are shit faced and don't care. Um. But mostly, I went to. It was fun to hang out with the comics. That was. It was a fun place to just. Chill it was out like for a little night uh, and, like hangout for us. Yeah, that's so. more what it was. Like you'd stick around after your horrible set and just bullshit with the comics, and that was the bulk of what was. I think that was maybe more beneficial than actually right. doing the stand up there. We should have just had a meetup, <laughs> just had a beer and <laughs> talked. <laughs> but it's funny because like this is a college bar. You know, like undergrad and graduate, but uh, then we got all these comics who are hanging out there too. It almost seemed like at times that we were like the older kids. Oh God, yeah, the- I felt <laughs> uh, that place made me feel super old. I mean, even when I first came out here, I was only twenty six. There was plenty of grad students there the same age as me. But right. It was just when you're when you show up there at you know eleven o'clock and you have maybe a beer while you're there, but you're there to do comedy, and everybody else is ten, twelve beers deep. And you see the, the situation around you, it's like, oh my god, this yeah, I don't right. belong here, <laughs> and it's crazy because I mean, I would have been more than happy to be at that bar and been one of those really drunk people, but when you're not, 
you a definitely story. feel like the weird yeah. old guys in the in the sad attic room. <laughs> like <laughs> I think pe- I don't know what people thought it was. I really think most people probably thought it was like an AA meeting or some shit. <laughs> well, and they also had here? karaoke going on simultaneously oh, yeah, that's in another, another thing, room, yeah. which was like. How do you compete with that? You're trying to convince drunk college kids, like, hey, don't go have an awesome time yeah. doing karaoke. Don't go sing drunk karaoke. Come listen to uh, us do uh, just sad sets <laughs> and, and then take it out on the audience when it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> that was classic. It was a hard sell. <laughs> yeah, that that always taught me to, like, gauge my references because whenever you, like, I did go and start, like, oh, yeah, definitely. start slapping the audience around a little bit. Like I could never like say, oh, you guys look like a group from like sometimes I said Saved by the Bell, and then I would just get this blank stare. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Like, there's no way oh, now yeah, that yeah. you can't know what Saved by the Bell is. But I guess yeah. they they don't these 20 year olds don't know. Yeah, 21 year olds yeah, don't know well, Saved by the Bell. Yeah, anymore. I, I don't know exactly what Bruco's uh, practices were as far as letting people in, but it did seem like there were plenty of uh, very Underage. young people yeah. there. So yeah, I know I know what you mean. <laughs> I, sometimes I would I would have a you know a little a little reference in the middle of a joke that I just think is like, oh, this is so funny. Like people are going to love this. And they just, yeah, just blank stares. And it's like, Oh yeah, because you're nine. <laughs> Sorry. And of course the biggest laughs that we would normally get was when the audience would not laugh at all. And then you would hear like two comics in the back laughing hysterically because they, they felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> or because they, they were love watching each other feeling, suffer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were feeling your misery. Yeah. It was either like, um, I feel like Majid, uh, who, who was one of the guys who helped run that room, uh, he would he would laugh because he genuinely didn't want people to bomb. But yeah, most comics would just laugh because it's like right. you're just eating a dick up there, and they're and that whatever they know they're next. But it's yeah. fun while they're not up there. <laughs> I would say this though, that because that room, it, it definitely made me bulletproof. Like I can go to other bars now and know that it would never be as bad as it was. At the Bruco, like yeah, yeah. When at at its worst, like that was a tough room. Well, at its best, it was it, it was, was a great. fine room. I mean, yeah. but yeah, when it was bad, it was. I, I do think that that helped me too. It helped me learn because uh, when I when I came out here, that's when I started stand up. So I was very new and very. Uh, so I was bombing all the time, but I was bad at bombing, and right. that's hard. That's a hard combination to like <laughs> stick with it when you're not doing well and it's you can't handle it. You know, when, once you learn how to, like. Eventually, you kind of learn like, yeah, I'm I'm going to do poorly. Sometimes it's not gonna. It, it, sometimes it's almost out of your hands. You're gonna have an off night. The audience isn't gonna care. Whatever, whatever it is that's making you eat shit up there, it's gonna happen. And eventually, it rolls off your back. And I think Bruco helped a lot with that because it was like, you go in there almost fully prepared to have this go horribly. Yeah. And if it, the nights it would go well, it was like, oh my god, that was that was amazing because mm-hmm. uh, you never expected it. <laughs> you always expected to do such a bad job there and be so uncomfortable the whole time that like eventually it just, you weren't uncomfortable. You were like, yeah, well this is how it goes. This is how it is. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting too, because I would think that just even from doing these bar shows in general, like I just thought of this, how uh, a lot of comics will say, you know, give it up for the bar staff or, or mm-hmm. things like that. I really think that like we kind of develop these relationships with people who work in the industry, like it kind of goes hand in hand with being a comic like I got to know, for example, the Bruco, like I got to know George, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the manager pretty well there. And like every time, you know, he always supported the show and it seemed like it was kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think there's sort of an understanding because you are dealing, especially shows in bars. I mean, you're dealing with the same clientele. They have 
the same frustrations you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not to the I wouldn't say to the same extent because obviously they're not forced to perform in front of these right. fucking heathens, but they do have to try and keep them in check and 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 try to control them somewhat, especially when it's you're managing the place like that's your establishment. You are charged with like making sure this building doesn't burn to the right. ground every night. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I definitely feel that way. Uh, I I have my own uh, show in a bar now and it, it, the the bartenders are very much like yeah there's something there that you identify with them because they they just know what you're going through when it goes really bad <laughs> because i mean i equate i guess like you know me going up and bombing is not so different from me uh you know trying to tell a, a hammered girl that she can't have any more drinks and having her scream at me it's it's the same you don't feel good either time <laughs> you know so it's like yeah there's some kind of parallel there I always like it too. Like if you tell someone that they're too drunk, it's like I, I no, I'm not. Um, y- y- you are. Yeah, I don't tell people that for fun, right, sir? You've pissed your pants. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry to bring it to your attention. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you have to be you have to be really drunk to get cut off. off. Yeah. I mean, I've been in all the time that I've been going to bars in my life, and especially in my early twenties or you know, when I was like 18 and using fake IDs and stuff, you don't know your, your limit and always was drinking way too much, but I could count on one hand the amount of times I've ever been told like, all right, you got to go. Right. And that's, that says a lot because I feel like I was a real piece of shit. <laughs> so for people that, that are getting that drunk all the time to the point where they become known at the bars, like, all right, keep an eye on so-and-so. Yeah. He's got, we're going to have to cut you have him a off reputation, eventually. then there's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're falling asleep at, at the bar. Like that is I mean, so, that's, that's so ridiculous. That, that's the last thing you can do. Like yeah, a bar, they'll like, let you get away with being a dick. They'll let you get away with being loud. They'll ask you to quiet down. But as soon as you start falling asleep, it's like that's their cue that they're allowed to get you out of there. They have to get you out of there because that's you're obviously drunk to a point where if you continue, you're probably going to put yourself in some kind of danger. Exactly. And they're just like, it would always be that way um, with, with the bouncers. We'd just look at them and point at so-and-so whose head is down. It was like, all right, let's go. That's sweet go. though that you had the, that bouncer power. Oh God. I, I don't envy those guys. They, uh, they have a tough job yeah. they, to, to deal, to be the one who actively had, like I tell people like, Oh, you know, I, I can't serve you anymore, but I don't have to deal with the repercussions for the most part. Um, that actually, yep. I think that's also probably why it was harder to, to deal with women because, uh, the bouncers didn't deal with them as much. You know, they were, they had a longer leash. Um, whereas guys, if guys got really out of line and started being a dick and like yelling at me, they'd get thrown out immediately. Whereas, uh, women, I had to deal with it more and the bouncers were relied on less. So I think I, I just caught more of their, uh, their vitriol <laughs> when they were really <laughs> drunk, but you know, eventually they'd get tossed. Well, too. It seems like too, that the girls like not only would they start to get really belligerent and like hateful, but then they would almost like start preaching about how much they hated you to everybody else. Like, oh like, yeah. Oh, this guy, Fuck this guy. He's cutting me off. Yeah. And, and everybody else is like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like he's right. Uh, and you know, I, it's not, I don't think it's like, I'm not trying to generalize when I say, you know, Guys are this way, girls are this way, blah blah blah. You know, it's not a it's not a hacky bit, but I do think that um, there are there are certain guys that are super confrontational drunks. But I think for the most part, when a guy gets so drunk, he just kind of melts into the background. He doesn't yeah. speak much. You know, he just sits there, eyes glazed over, like you know, doesn't really take part in the conversation that his friends are having. But like 
feels the need to still laugh periodically to make it seem like he's not, <laughs> yeah. you know, insanely drunk. Whereas I think I think girls become more probably be because they don't get that drunk as often that they do become more actively uh, disruptive right. <laughs> if they're that drunk. And I think that if guys like the friends will come and like pull that guy back yeah. too, if yeah. there's like a point where he's getting like too belligerent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because the girls, well, yeah, the girls will all join in. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you if you've it's ever like a bartended, choir, if you've ever bartended with uh, a bachelorette party, there, it's like I mean, come on, it, it, it's a nightmare. It's can we stop these things. Oh I, my but, god! First of all, a comedy show is not a good place to have a bachelorette that, party. They should. All right. Comedy clubs should not let bachelorette no. parties in because, and for their own good too, not just for the good of the comics, but. Bachelorette parties, you don't want to be there. You don't want to be at a comedy club. You, maybe in right. theory you think this is a good idea, like, oh, we're going to go laugh. But at a bachelorette party, you want to go wild. You want to get loud and crazy yeah. and do whatever you want. And you cannot do that in a comedy club. No. It's such a bad mix. <laughs> like, if to me, if, if I'm standing at the door of a comedy club and some girl walks up wearing a you know a plastic crown of dicks, <laughs> it's like, you're not allowed in here. Sorry, princess. Sorry. You got, go to the bar. You'll enjoy the yeah. bar more. At least you can be loud there, right? And, you know, it, comedy clubs. It's just, ugh. it's like time and time again. Where I, I think like uh, at least half my set will be spent dealing with with like these girls. If I'm doing like half hour, it's just like you. Ha- yeah, you have to yeah. know. Like, and then these, I've had them. They've started throwing penis draws like at the stage. Oh yeah, they're because. Because the, I mean, the whole idea of that night is like going crazy. Like, dude, how many, do you ever see a bachelor party show up at a comedy club? No, because they know they want to be pieces of garbage that night. That's what they're there to do. They want to do whatever they want to do. They want to have fun. They want to be outwardly uh, everything, (laughs) you know, outward in the extent that like they want to be able to yell. They want to be able to dance and sing and do all this crazy shit. And it's like, girls, you can't do that here. No. This is a place where you're actually expected to come sit quietly. And and obviously, yeah, I mean, laugh. But, like, you don't get to interact. Yeah. You don't get to. This, this is, is it, it's it, that to me is like taking, um, you know, taking a girl on a first date to a movie. You don't get to speak to her. It's not a it's not an interactive thing. Yeah, it's I, I would never take a girl to a comedy club on a first date. It's not you're spending time together, but you're not speaking. You're not. No, you're not getting to know each other. Yeah, it's not an opportunity to do your own thing. And that's, yeah, bachelorette parties don't seem to get that. They no. just love, like, let's go to a comedy show. And it's, it does seem like they think that they're there, like, enjoying the show. When well, yeah, actuality, I mean, uh, like, but when then it's, that kind of, like, grows. When you're that drunk and you, you probably don't realize you're being disruptive. And also, I would venture to guess most of the bachelorette parties that decide to go to a comedy show, probably most of them have never been. Like, they probably really don't know the right. experience that they're getting into. And they do think they can yell and be playful, and and it's like, may, you know, may, it depends on the comic. Sometimes the comic can can interact with them and make it funny, but there always comes a point where it's like, all right, you need to shut the hell up. Like yeah. I'm trying to do my job up yeah. here, and then the whole room gets uncomfortable, and <laughs> they eventually got to drag some girl out, you know, as she's drinking from a dick chalice. <laughs> like it's not, that's it's the, not fun for anyone. That's the other thing too, like. This is a club. Like, there's actual people there who are there to see a comedy show, and then you got like this group of fifteen ladies exactly. who are like they ruining the show. Yeah, for and that, well, that's that's what's hard is that. And then what bride's be wants to be called like some 
you know, crazy whore. Exactly. And and that, that is, yeah, the, com- by other the comics members. who sometimes mishandle it. Yeah. And, I mean, granted, I understand getting angry, but, you know, you do, you say the wrong thing to them and then the room turns on you because mm-hmm. like, well, now you're being an asshole to them. It's a very hard situation to, to get out of unscathed. Yeah. It's it's no fun for anyone. I think the point is we're just begging you to please. Yeah. Just if you're <laughs> out there and listening, don't <laughs> ever go to a fucking comedy club. <laughs> Unless you really like comedy, even not even not just a bachelorette party. If it's your birthday and you want to go with a big group of friends, men or women, if you unless you really like comedy, yeah. don't go. It's not the right choice. It's fun for you know take your take your wife or your girlfriend out once in a while. Just the two of you go out and go to a comedy club. It's a great time. But if you are having a big gathering, it's not where you should yeah, be. Forget it's, it. It's not good. That'll be the the next thing that you do, but get that one out of the way. Speaking of people who are crazy and irate, it's that time again for the L.A. Yelp Diaries, oh, ladies Yelp. and gentlemen. Ah, good. I'm glad you know about it. Oh, I know about Yelp. <laughs> I, uh, I've become one of those suckers who like has to Yelp a place, which is ridiculous because I, I don't I don't take any any Yelp reviews seriously. Anytime I read one, I'm like, these people are insane. And yet I'm like, oh, it only got this many stars on Yelp. I'm going to go try a place that got more. It's, I think it's an evil entity. It is because, <laughs> I mean, even people who have, like, given, like, four stars will write, like, a very hateful Yelp review. People and then don't. it can be the complete opposite, too. So there's really no rhyme or reason for these idiots who write on yeah, Yelp. Yeah, exa- and uh, we're giving power to people who don't deserve it. You know, it's, it's uh, this would be like basing your legitimate opinion of, of a comedian on, on the comment section of his YouTube page, you <laughs> yeah. know, based on like, well, according to everyone here, this, this guy's a fucking asshole <laughs> and, uh, they hate Obama. I don't right. know why that's in there, but that's in there. It, you can't, you can't judge by the, the fact that anyone can just go do it. Um, so now I try to, I try to use Yelp more than anything to just find places like, all right, where is this? The How address, close is this to me? Yeah. And try not to pay too much attention to like, oh, this so-and-so said this was bad. Which is what I, I think that's how it originally started. I mm-hmm. think it was supposed to be some sort of useful resource like that. Yeah. But then like the floodgates just opened. I mean, it's, it's a nice idea in theory. And when a place is really good, it does tend, I mean, some, some assholes still will give it, you know, half right. a star. But it, it, when it gets 500 reviews, it tends to be it, the cream rises to the top. You know, it, it will be, oh, this place is good. It got four stars out of 500 reviews. But it's funny because those good reviews are always like two lines. Like, oh, this was really great. Had, <laughs> Had a, a great time. night, great yeah. service. And then the bad ones are like, you know, four pages of just <laughs> bitching about every little thing. <laughs> the tile was the wrong color. Yeah, it's just no one ever no one ever devotes like a super long review to say how great it no, was. No, never. <laughs> like this person yeah meet Teresa C from Pasadena which has one of my favorite comedy clubs by the way but Teresa C writes <clears throat> very disappointed horrible probably one of the worst dining experience mm-hmm. I've had <laughs> at a fine dining restaurant oh well, all right right away she gets off to you know gets to the point yeah, I mean she's Doesn't not like it. she's not mincing any words I, maybe forgot a, to call it I don't know I always Maybe it's from working in the service industry, but to actively go out of your way to say a place is horrible, mm-hmm. I always just think of like, God, you know, somebody owns this, somebody, and maybe, yeah, maybe so-and-so who owns it is not putting as much effort into it as they should, but this is someone's business, and you're, you're, <laughs> exactly. call, you're saying this is horrible. Yeah. Just the fact, well, she says very disappointed. I mean, that's a parent comment. 
that say very disappointed that you're expecting something well, else from this let's, place? Or let's what? explain to people right now that Teresa C. from Pasadena, uh, her thumbnail is a little picture of her cat. Okay. Um, so that's who you're dealing with. Right. I mean, look, I have a cat. I, I love my cat. But the person whose thumbnail on Yelp is their cat, um, you're dealing with a certain kind of person. She's also written uh, 22 reviews, which is, that's a lot. I mean, especially based on the extent of this one, uh, which we are are just just hitting the tip of the iceberg (laughs) with what you just read. Yeah. 22 is uh, that's a good amount of writing that Teresa C is doing <laughs> and I'm very impressed that you researched that that's, that's some good uh, researchers on these people but Teresa continues <clears throat> one bought an Amazon local deal for this restaurant all right I'll stop right there so she's already looking for a coupon mm-hmm. to go out to this place yeah okay she continues it was supposed to be a prefix dinner with two appetizers two salads two entrees and two desserts $150 value for $75 that expires in six months. We noted the coupon when we made the reservation. However, when we came, we were told we could not use it. The reason was the executive the executive's chef changed. The deal is no longer valid. The menu changed and other reasons. It was confusing and seemed misleading to offer a deal when you cannot even use it. I don't know. I mean, there's... I understand where she's coming from on that. She has a valid point, right. but if you were told uh, when you arrived that you couldn't use it, if it's that big a deal, just go somewhere else. Like, it sounds like she effectively wound up at a different restaurant than the one that she had the coupon for. You know, it was uh, everything had changed. I do agree that that kind of sucks. Like, if you have if you mm-hmm. have this discount thing and you show up and they're like, "Oh, that's no good." It's like, all right, bummer. But like. But that's the problem with these little these deal the, things nowadays, like Groupon and and uh, Amazon. Like, if it expires or if there's a problem with it, you need to take that problem back to Amazon. Exactly. Say, yeah, this is not this is not something that the the restaurants. I imagine they gotta hate these things. Like, <laughs> oh, I, oh, we do. I went. Yeah, <laughs> I went to a place uh, last week. This little Indian place in West Hollywood. Um, because they had been like, well, at least this was their coupon. They had been sending out mailers. Um, but I almost like actively felt bad using it because the place was not very crowded at all. The food was great. And I'm like, God, you guys could really use the help. here. <laughs> but uh, yes. yeah, yeah. I mean, in this case, it's like the kind of person who shows up with with a coupon and is told they can't use it and loses the, like their shit over it. That's a uh, that's not a great person you don't right. want to be dealing with them because she's she's already casting her opinion on your establishment she's not had a bite of your food she's not experienced your service at all she's just like fuck this place i can't use my coupon I, well i mean i think she's already set herself up to have a bad time because she has the coupon yeah i mean i she continues number two the food was not impressive the ahi tuna tartare tasted frozen she spelled tartare t-a-r-t-a-r-e so is that Tatar? Is that I don't know. Is I, that I, I, there might be two spellings there. Really? I feel uh, like I've seen that. I'm not sure. I don't want to give Teresa too much credit, but I, I do we're feel look like that one up. All right, let's do uh, it. Let's look that up <laughs> because I do feel like I've seen that, but I could be absolutely wrong. <laughs> let's see what Google has to say about Tartar. I have T A R T A R. One word. No, no, no alternate spelling. Let me Teresa. try. I tried let to me, help let me put you. An e, <laughs> let me put an E on it and see what. Maybe. Okay, well, steak tartare has an e on. It. Okay, so sure. Well, we'll let it right, slide, you're getting a pass, Teresa. Crazy. 
<laughs> but she also then says that the risotto tasted like porridge, which I love. I lo- I'm like, you love porridge? Or no, no, I okay. love that. Uh, has anyone had porridge? I don't know. Like, when the fuck? <laughs> it's a fairy tale. Uh, that's what I mean. Like, when was porridge even a thing? <laughs> like, this. This this risotto tastes like porridge. I defy her to prove to me that she's ever had porridge in her life. Now, God it's like saying it, it tastes like point. gruel. Yeah. Like what what are you talking about, lady? Has she been to prison? I don't know. Maybe they serve porridge there. I don't know. Uh, maybe she grew up in the Cold War. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's fair. I don't know how old Teresa C is, but I I venture to guess by her a- activity on Yelp that she's she's technologically sound enough that she's not in her late nineties. <laughs> All right, agreed. Number three, the rest uh, excuse me, the restroom was not well kept. The paper towel dispenser didn't work, so there's just a large roll on the side to tear off on your own. The door lock is a cheap add-on lock from somewhere like Home Depot. Okay, um, first of all, I'm sure many locks are bought at Home Depot. They are. That, they specialize in locks. Yeah, that's what they sell there. <laughs> they got a lot of them. Uh, yeah, to me, this is this is the part of the review where I know it's a white lady. <laughs> this is these are white lady problems. I know this okay. is a white lady because she says the paper towel dispenser didn't work, so there's just a large roll on the on the side to tear off on your own, like <laughs> some kind of monster. Like I mean, yeah, sure, that's not. It doesn't sound like the best bathroom, but again, this is it's the bathroom. At least there are I'm paper so, towels there. Yeah, if the paper towel dispenser is broken, who knows? Maybe it broke an hour ago, Teresa. Right. Like, get off their point. back. Yeah. She, I mean, you have to tear the paper towels oh, yourself. You have to strain your Jesus. arms. Oh, God. Like, you just know that this this is a person who's looking for things to be pissed exactly. off about. And she started, it all started with, they don't take the coupon, I'm going to pick this place apart. Is that, and you were right. Like she, they don't take the coupon. Either you suck it up, or you make a U-turn and mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Yeah, like that was it right there. And like you, can, I mean, you can't judge a place based on that. Is that what you're at a restaurant for? A discount? You're there for food, like and drinks and service. Right. If all that's fine, like who? Uh, yeah, maybe you didn't. You paid a little more than you wanted to, but this is a person who's actively looking for a reason to hate a place. You can just tell. Oh, and she does hate it. Number four. <laughs> oh yeah. The silverware <laughs> is from Ikea. Ikea! <laughs> I posted a picture of it. For the amount we spent here, it was definitely disappointing, second time she used that word, to see they are using such budget silverware and materials. Stop right there. She's disappointed that they're using budget materials, but she got the coupon. She got the coupon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean... It, it's kind of funny. I, I would say if I was in a restaurant and I noticed, uh, you guys can't see the picture, but there's a picture of a knife. I'll post with, it on my uh, website. Ikea. I'll post it on the Bitter Bistro. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I right. would I would laugh at that. I'd be like, oh, nice. These guys are getting, you know, these are the, the Flurg set of knives. Like, it's kind of amusing. But right. is that a reason to hate on a place? Like, you're disappointed in their choice of, of silverware? Yeah. yeah, like, who gives a shit? <laughs> I really, I would like, I would love to read a positive review by this lady and see, uh, you know, if, if she can actually enjoy a place, like, is she, is she rambling on in a positive review about the, the fine flatware at a place? Like, I, I don't know. To me, I just, I could care less, you know, this is the kind of person who's going to complain that uh, this salad was served in the, on the, on the wrong kind of plate. This right. plate was too bulky for this salad. Like, fuck you lady, <laughs> eat your salad. <laughs> So she concludes with number five, when we got the bill, a 20% tip was already added for a party of two. 
will not return and would not recommend to any of our friends. Guess what, Teresa? I don't know if the 20% tip is standard practice there, if they add it to every bill, but there's a good chance they added it to yours because you were a bitch the entire time. Right. <laughs> because you were mad about the coupon and they knew straight out of the gate you were giving a 10% tip yeah. at best. So maybe that's not the best practice for a restaurant to do, but I absolutely understand it. If that's if that's an option that they have, if, they, if they're the type of place that sometimes just adds gratuity, then just do it. <laughs> because this lady is going to stiff you, absolutely. Right, because you don't want to like put in all that work and then just be like, oh my God. I and put it's, up and it's, always, it's always great, too, when a person like this will tip poorly and think that that's teaching anyone. You're screwing a waiter out of a tip. Yeah. Guess what? The waiter's not picking out the silverware. The waiter's not in charge of bathroom maintenance. Or marketing. Uh, yeah. Uh, the waiter had nothing to do with your Amazon local deal. <laughs> it doesn't teach anyone anything to tip a waiter poorly based on the overall experience. If the waiter does a shit job themselves, absolutely. Sometimes, I mean, as, as someone who waited tables, I always tip 20% because even when they do horribly, I just feel bad for them. <laughs> but I understand I've seen people do such a bad job that it's like you have to give them less than 20. But you're not teaching anyone. You're not teaching the owner of this restaurant. You're not You're not teaching the executive chef with the bad tuna tartare and the porridge risotto. <laughs> None of right. these people are being hurt by your bad tip. Right. They probably won't even know it ever happened. So don't do that. <laughs> it's true. But then you said, did she ever write a good review? So I went back on Teresa's profile. She wrote a five-star review for Coast Dental Group. Oh, <laughs> they must have had a great so, bathroom. <laughs> the dental group. Oh, God. I'll just be brief with this one. <laughs> I came in for teeth whitening in preparation for my wedding day in a couple of weeks. All right, I'm just going to stop right there because someone's actually marrying this woman. Oh. So, <laughs> Good luck, sir. I mean, I would hope she doesn't yelp about the relationship. It could have been a cat wedding, let's be <laughs> honest. It could definitely be like her and her neighbor's cat are getting married. <laughs> I wanted a clean white smile for my big day and wedding photos. I can't go on anymore. Teresa C. from Pasadena, you got yelped. <laughs> We're going to finish up right in here with what I call the daily specials. TK does not know. I have 10 questions for him. Being fired at rapid face, pirate. Pirate, pirate, you know what I'm talking about. Rapid face. <laughs> okay, rapid fired. pace. Fired at a rapid I pace, Joey. I in my head. I, can't, I don't know <laughs> what's too going angry. on tartar. <laughs> so here we go. Ten questions for you. Ready? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Number one, have you ever spit in a customer's food? Absolutely not. Two, how many coworkers have you hooked up with? Um, two. Three, when you go out to eat, <laughs> do you evaluate your server? Uh, yeah, yeah, I tend to. Having done the job, I think you, you pay a little more attention to what they're fucking up. Right. But then I still tip them all. <laughs> nice. Four, will you say something if the service is bad? It has to be unbelievably bad. I don't think I've ever done it, and I, I've never said anything to anybody, and I've had some pretty bad service. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, best tip you have ever received? Um, I used to have a guy when I bartended at the water club that would come and leave me a hundred bucks every time, regardless of how much he got. He just had a lot of money. He had like a big right. boat in the marina and he just liked Love those conversing guys. with yeah. me. He was a nice dude. Just always leave me a huge tip. Love those people. Yes. Six. We've kind of already covered this. Is it harder to wait on girls or guys? I th Yeah, I think definitely... Uh, girls overall because they can get away with being meaner to you even as a waiter not just as a bartender they can um, 
there's there's just less repercussion for for a woman in public to to be mean <laughs> where a guy like if he, if a guy got you to that point you could punch him in the face <laughs> exactly <laughs> but they're both pretty awful yeah. also. <laughs> seven what was the best excuse or lie you have ever used to call out sick i had uh <laughs> this is a good one yes. uh this was when i was 16 and still working at the country club um, I had my girlfriend at the time call the place and tell them that uh, we were down in uh, at the Jersey Shore for the weekend and that we got into a, a car accident and couldn't get back up in time. Not, not taking into account at all that the woman who ran the country club restaurant and the reason I got the job was because she was very good friends with my mom. So she immediately calls my parents to make sure I'm okay. And my parents know I'm not <laughs> anywhere that I said I was. And they were pretty furious. <laughs> it was, so that, that was probably, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've used a lot of ridiculous excuses to get it because I always was of the mindset that like, if they fire me, I can live with it. So I'm going to take a chance and just say, yeah, I crashed my car or my car died. It was always something with my car. It was yeah. not very creative. <laughs> my car died on the way to work. But that's always a good staple to use. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Or if you're, every time I was late, I got pulled over. <laughs> Didn't give me a ticket though. I got lucky. <laughs> it's another just every single I don't time. know what it is yeah, about. I just, I showed him my tits. <laughs> uh, eight. Have you ever been tipped in anything besides money? Um... I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess so. I did. I did once have uh, an older woman uh, give me her phone number, and also leave a horrible tip, which was astonishing to me. Like she left a very bad tip, but wanted me to call her. So I, I don't know if she was just so drunk that she unintentionally left a, a horrendous tip. I, I think it was like two dollars on like a forty dollar bill. Did she like maybe want to put two dollars plus? My number and what would it entail afterwards? Yeah, or, okay. I guess maybe. I don't. I did not call her, <laughs> but uh, um, I don't you know. Yeah, me more money. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if maybe she, uh, she maybe she wasn't interested in me, but she felt bad for giving a bad tip. So she's like, I, you know, I guess I'll blow you, <laughs> like if that helps. <laughs> and number ten, knowing what you know now about the service industry, if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, would you still go into it? Yeah, I would. I, I liked it. You know, it was, uh, there were definitely days that I dreaded going to work, but for the most part, it's, it's not a terrible job. It's different every day. There are absolute shit days, but uh, to me, what I, I, I compare it to the time I spent working in an office and I was infinitely more miserable working in an office. So to me, if, if it's between those two, yeah, for sure. I'd, right. I'd work in the service industry again. You, you learn a lot about yourself. You get good at dealing with people. I don't know that I ever would have, uh, had the balls to start doing stand up if I if I hadn't been exposed to people on that consistent of a le- like dealing with strangers on that level, right. you know. So yeah, I think so. I'd, I'd do it again. Um, I mean, I say that having been out of it for a while, so maybe <laughs> maybe I'm um, uh, it's a little glossy veneer over it, but <laughs> I, I had fun sometimes. <laughs> it, it, it can be a fun job. Yeah, it's it it's not be. it's not the most monotonous thing, you know. It's no. not the same every single day. It, it, like any other job, it can be awful, but. There are worse jobs out there. You heard it here first. Ladies and gentlemen, that is TK Kelly. TK, where can we find you on the internet? On I know you internets. have a show. You should tell everybody about your show, where um, it is, what day it's on. So I have uh, I have a monthly show at the Virgil in Los Angeles. That is the last Tuesday of every month. That's called Warp Zone Comedy. I've also been uh, helping to run a new show at the State Social House in West Hollywood uh, every Tuesday. 
uh, that is called The Laugh Attic. And you've got some big comics on the show. Yeah, yeah, we've been good. getting some, we've, we've gotten lucky. We've gotten some pretty big people. We, we had, uh, I mean, we had Nick Kroll on Warp Zone recently. We had Hannibal Burris do Laugh Attic. We had Maria Bamford. Uh, we, we've had some good Which luck. Is, getting, that's awesome. Yeah, we had uh, Aziz Ansari has, has showed up. Uh, I've gotten lucky with the shows I run. They've gone pretty well. Um because that can be a daunting thing to run a show, for sure. They can easily go badly. And these are both in bars, and, and bar shows can be horrible. But if right. you find the right spot, they can be awesome. Um, besides that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at TK Kelly Comedy, And I also just started a new podcast with another comic, Dwayne Perkins. Uh, it's called the Movie Night Podcast. You can find that on Twitter at Movie Nightcast. Is that on iTunes as well? Uh, yes, I believe it. Literally, ju- we just had the second episode go up yesterday. Oh, nice. um, so we may still be waiting for iTunes to uh, approve it, but I, th- I think it's actually up there now. But it's, it's a fun, short, super short half-hour podcast where each week we have a comedian guest and we just talk about one movie that we all watched. Nice current movies or uh, uh, we're we're all over the place. We kind of just do what we want. The first uh, the first episode we did uh, RoboCop, the original one, <laughs> nice. in honor of the new one with coming Peter out. Weller. Oh, it was great. Um, we did that one with uh, Eric Griffin from Workaholics, and week two, the one that just came out, we did uh, Spring Breakers with James Franco and all of the Disney Channel girls who got naked. <laughs> it, it's like Vanessa Hudgens, uh, Selena Gomez. It's a, an aggressive movie. Uh, we did that one with Owen Smith, who he's a writer for uh, Arsenio Hall. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at The Bitter Bistro. All things bitter can be found at www.thebitterbistro.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, your boomboxes, tape mixes, whatever you guys use to listen to podcasts nowadays. Who knows? TK, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was fun. It was a really good time. Uh, guys, if you want to hear more of this show, subscribe on iTunes. Like I said, anybody who's on Yelp can go to hell. <laughs> I'm Bitter Party of One. Remember, servers don't pay their rent with compliments. Good night. Bitter Party of One, your table's ready.